Confessions of a Crappy Christian is powered by the Converge Podcast Network. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. I'm your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake Guichet, and I'm so pumped to be bringing you season two of this show, packed full of more people telling incredible stories of who God is and what he's done. This week's episode is with author and mentorship expert, Kevin Harris, about the power of relationships and more specifically, mentorship. And he gives us some really practical, tangible ways to begin to cultivate a culture of mentorship, both in your life and in your church. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. You are so welcome, Blake. This is going to be fun. It is. I'm really looking forward to talking about your mentorship program. It's radical mentoring, right? It is. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself and then kind of introduce us to radical mentoring. Yeah. So I, um, I won't give you the full like born March 14th, 1975 (laughs) story because nobody wants to hear that. But what I will tell you is I wasn't born and raised in the church, but when when I started going to church, I went to kind of your tried and true Baptist church, went on a missions trip in the eighth grade, met Jesus, kind of dropped him somewhere into my head, but didn't quite make him uh, get to my heart. Mm. Had Had a normal relationship, normal family, this is going to come out really fast, but I feel like it's part of the story that I, I need to make sure people hear is that when I was a junior in high school, I lost my dad in a car accident. Mm. And it was one of those like, you know, go to bed at 10 o'clock at night and then 1130, your mom wakes you up mm. and says, we've got to go to the hospital, kind of a, kind of a moment. Mm-hmm. And so I can talk about it. I don't want it. I don't want it to sound casual because there was huge weight to it. But when I look back on it, I just know how what a critical part of the journey of my story it was. But what began to happen inside of me then was sort of this idea that I had this sort of foundational faith. And in my foundational faith, I sort of had this group of what I would call my church friends, my faith friends. And and so I knew that that was a really safe place for me to go to. But I also had a whole nother group of friends that were unsafe to go to, but felt really safe because it was a place for me to cope and mm-hmm. and probably grieve and hide some of the stuff I was dealing with. And so what I really began to do was really live my life carrying a crutch around. The crutch I carried was, you know, my dad died in high school and I'm still dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And it became kind of a badge of honor in some ways, like in my little Christian crowd, it was sort of. Kevin was the kid with a story to tell. And so that became an identity there. And then my non-Christian crowd, it was, you know, Kevin's, you know, trying to figure out how to deal with the loss of his dad. And so he's over here kind of partying with us and sort of in that crowd. And it became just, you know, I could point to the crutch no matter what environment I was in and I would get acceptance and understanding. Mm. And that was sort of my story from when I was, however you, however old you are as an 11th grader, 10th grader, like, 15, 16, something like that, I guess. Hard to believe it's been almost 20 years since that, since that happened Mm. to probably, you know, in 2000, I I hate to say until it was 2002 when I first 
sort of stepped into this mentoring process. You know, our, our, you know, I was married in 2000, have got an incredible wife. She comes from an incredible family, sort of what I, in my mind, was like this picture perfect kind of family and a great place for me to step into. But I just carried so much pain and so much baggage with me that I just could never quite be myself because I was always positioning. And so if I showed up at a church meeting or a men's study and somebody said, you know, ask me some question about how I was doing, I could very confidently tell them I was doing great and I could relay some of the details of the story we were talking about. But man, Jesus was, has, had not made a difference and hadn't really helped me in the healing process. And was when I met my mentor in 2002, I was a part of a mentoring group, which is now Radical Mentoring Today. It was the first time I, I was sitting with an authentic, open, honest man of God who was willing to say, hey, I haven't figured all this out yet. And I've got some issues and here's where my story was rocky in the past. And here's where God keeps showing up. And over time, we spent a really intentional year in the, with this group of men and, and with our mentor. And over time, he just began to challenge me on my bad theology. Hmm. And he, he sort of began to say, Hey, you're, you know, every time you talk about God or you're, or you're writing a letter to God, or you're confessing something, it's all about the things you've done. And there's not, you know, you've got to know that, Jesus loves you for who you are. And Jesus wants to be in a relationship with you. And Jesus doesn't want to be a part of this reporting system where you're mm. telling him the six or seven things you've done over the last two weeks. And, and he, he was the first person, Reggie Campbell was his name. He just passed away about four months ago, mm. but he was the first person in that mentoring environment that really just kind of caused me to stop and rethink my, my really bad narrative. And that was when things really started to, uh, to change for me. And now I didn't, you know, I didn't drop everything and, and become a full-time, you know, radical mentoring guru. Um, I followed my career path and I made a few dumb decisions in my career path. Like when I decided that being a uh, traveling salesman was the life that I, I was supposed to be a part of. And I crashed into a little, you're going to, you're going to end this conversation quick when I tell you that I crashed into depression and no, because I not. was you obviously good. Have not listened, I just sort of we talk about that all the well, time. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I, did, I did listen to some, but yeah, I, I kind of ended up crashing and burning in depression because I was traveling every week and kind of sacrificing my family on the altar of my work because I thought it was all about making money when you could, so that at some point in the future you'd be able to sort of give your kids and bride and your family, the life that maybe you didn't have. And so I crashed and burned and had a same mentor there journey, continued to journey with me and sort of helped pick me back up and uh, refocus me and, and sort of get my head back on straight along with a marriage counselor and some really trusted friends. And uh, fast forward to, you know, five, almost, gosh, almost five years ago now, our mentor started talking to me. My mentor started talking to me about what would it look like if I was to join Radical full-time and really help mm get this mentoring process into the hands of more men and more churches so that we could really begin to see uh, the life change happen that happened in me if we could multiply that and see it kind of begin a movement. And that's really what we've been able to do. We've seen now almost 14,000 men come through this process. Uh, we work with about 370 churches of all shapes and sizes and denominations all, all around the country. And it's really the mentoring process I went through that changed me in 2002 was the exact same process that we were now talking to churches about every day. And so it's, uh, it's really, really, really fun. 
Well, and I just, I can't even tell you how much I love that the topic and the conversation for y'all is being directed towards men. I know we were talking before we started recording that you're actually going, you're moving into offering it for women. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I have a lot of conversations on the show about women struggling with friendship and struggling to navigate community and and intimacy and stuff like that and the i to me in my experience the reality is is that men men struggle with that tenfold they no doubt ten they you know we're struggling a lot of the time women are struggling in the midst of it while men are struggling to even get started right to even no no doubt about it why do you think that it why is authentic like that like someone looking at you and saying you know having the relationship where they can say hey your theology is really messed up like why why do you think it is that that tends to be difficult for men to create we are such great positioners and mask wearers and you know i just sort of i mean if i look back on my own story it was you know, when I stepped into the office, it was sort of a persona that that I put in front of me so that I could sort of keep people at a certain arm's distance so they wouldn't really know what was going on. And I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, we come home from our day at the office and we show up in the driveway and we put a mask on. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we walk into our own houses so that our wife and kids don't think that anything's going wrong. And I think we've just gotten we've gotten really good at, um, at hiding. Mm-hmm. I think culture teaches us that, you know, that it sort of says, Hey, you're, you're the man, you're the provider, whatever, you know, whatever the story is and the lie that you want to believe, um, story, the, the, the narrative that we begin to hear is just don't present your real self. It's not safe. Mm-hmm. It's not safe to, to share that because somebody's going to use it against you or, you know, people are going to look at you like you're weird, like you're the only guy in the world that has that problem. And no doubt it is, it is a really hard for men to find that kind of a community. Mm-hmm. And I am so grateful that I found it in 2002 because it was the first time that I sat around a table with another seven guys, myself and seven guys were eight of us plus our mentor. And we just began to, we just knew it was an environment that was full of grace. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the really important part is that sometimes we don't feel like there's an environment of grace that we're in so that we just we just kind of put our best selves in front of whatever environment or space that we're in because we just feel like that's the safest thing to do. I Yeah, I completely agree. I think that even when I've, you know, using my own husband as an example, when he has, you know, he's done the work to kind of take that mask off at home and he's willing to take it off with other people, but then it's okay. That's, those are huge steps, but then you got to find other people who are willing to step into that with you, you know, and that's been a wall that, you know, he, he has found himself running into is okay. Like I desire authenticity. I desire vulnerability. And I know that community and relationship is important, but then it's finding other people, who, other men who are willing no doubt. to do the same. And, and so the encouragement for, go, go ahead, I cut you off. No, 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 you're good. I, I think you were going to essentially answer my question was, it would be super great if everyone can get plugged into a, a radical mentoring situation. And we'll talk about how to do that also. But 
what is your encouragement or or some ways for that to even get started? I mean, I love what you said about your husband because clearly authenticity has become a core value for him. Mm-hmm. I think the 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 biggest disservice he can do is to not be authentic because people won't journey with him. And mm-hmm. I think that's what I had to learn was like, you know what, now that I've, you know, I love the story of the, the invalids by the pool mm. and they're kind of waiting for the, you know, waiting for the water to stir and, and, you know, hoping somebody can jump in quick. And that question Jesus asked is like, you know, do you want to get well? Right. And for me, I had an encounter with Christ that, that, came directly out of that story. And when I realized that I wanted to get well, and the only way I was going to get well is if I was to push that crutch out of the way and begin to live my life out of who God says I was, not who anybody else says I was. I was going to begin to just share my story and knowing that people are going to come beside me at different stages and speeds and may come along with me, or they may look at me like I have seven heads Mm -hmm. when I tell them, my dad died in high school and I just, I battled with depression. But if that, if that's the story that the narrative God's writing in my life, I don't feel like I can not share that. And I love what you said about your husband. It's like, I'm going to make authenticity be a core value for me. And I'm not going to stop sharing my story because I'm, I'm just not going to worry about what happens on the other side of mm-hmm. it. So, you know, I think we, you know, so many men, myself included, sort of bit the bullet on the whole, you know, being in an accountability group environment, mm-hmm. which is, you know, totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But for accountability, it was about what, you know, did you, not how are you? Exactly. And, you know, I love Bob Goff, who said, um, and love does, he said, we hold people accountable because we're trying to be helpful, but Jesus held people close because it works. Mm. And I think that's what it's all about. It's about holding people close. And that's what I found and what we're trying to create in these mentoring environments is, you know, the first thing that happened when I met my group the first night and met my mentor was he shared his story first. Mm. And when the mentor who in all of our minds, I would say, we all thought this guy's arrived. He's got it together. He's got the house and the wife and the kids and you know, he's got the title and the career and he was an entrepreneur and all of us probably were hungry to be in that environment. But the, you know, the two things that happened that first night is one, when he prayed, he got on his knees in front of us Mm. and he didn't thank God for the day and for the food. He had an authentic conversation with his heavenly father. Mm -hmm. And so he did that first and then he shared his story and he shared You know, he didn't share the Sunday school version of the story, which we've all been trained to do in certain environments. (laughs) He also didn't share the Saturday night version of the story that he would sit around the bar with his buddies and tell the tall tales about the things he's done. He just shared where he was, what his life was like before Christ, where he screwed up, what happened when Jesus intersected with him and changed everything. And where he continues to screw up even today. And I think at that moment, we all thought this guy has created an environment of authenticity and an environment of grace. Mm-hmm. And the next thing we did is we all went on a what we call a story retreat. And we were able to share our stories with each other. And because he went first, it gave us all permission to yep. go at the same pace. Yep. And when I began to realize that, you know, I lost my dad in high school. Another guy in the group lost his dad. And he had to be the pallbearer at his dad's funeral because his dad didn't have enough friends. 
Another guy journeyed with his dad as he died of ALS and was able to share that. And all of a sudden, you've got eight guys that are just a pool of snot bubbles just looking at each other going, I don't know why we're telling you this, but I thought I was the only guy in the world dealing with whatever my issue was. Yeah. And now I know there's at least these six other guys who are dealing with the same stuff and we're just going to journey with each other together. And once we share it, I've given all these guys permission now to speak directly back into my life. Mm -hmm. Well, I love what you said about somebody has to go first. No doubt. That he, your mentor went first and that ultimately is what allows a, you know, a room or a group full of people to enter into that authenticity is, but and, and the reality is, is somebody always has to go first. No doubt. Yeah. And it was like the, the, the well came open and we all just, we knew it was the right kind of place. And I don't, I, I love the church. I mean, we work with a ton of churches, but that's, there's a reason we want guys to meet in the homes of their mentors, because if you meet in room 201 in the church building, mm -hmm. I think men think that those walls have ears right. they're hearing everything that's happening. And so there's something about the dining room table yeah. or the back porch or wherever that Absolutely. environment is that it just allows guys to step in and know that they don't have to be somebody that they're not. Mm -hmm. And then when he went first, or then it just begins to follow and God just shows up and, has, and you know, those are some of those guys are on our board today. Mm. Some of those, those are all guys that I still see in various moments and different environments, uh, even today. And that was 18 years ago. Right. So, so that I love that it's been like a longevity that it's not mm -hmm. kind of this drop. It, and that's not to say that everyone stays for those full 18 years, but it's, it's, it sounds like it's created around that idea of, kind of enmeshing into one another's lives, right? It's not, we're talking about accountability groups earlier. I, I feel like, and again, it's not to dog on accountability groups at all, but the, just that that can tend to be a little bit more of that, you know, drop in, get what you need. When you feel like you're good, you peace out. And I, I think that mentorship is a really lost art, it, especially probably in American Christian culture. And have having gone through a lot of my life without one and having actually really just recently kind of embarking on that kind of relationship, I think people would be interested. I, I would be interested to hear why having a mentor or, or being in a mentoring relationship is important. Yeah. I think the key thing that, and I, one thing I'll clarify is these guys have become friends. Our mentoring groups actually end after a year. Okay. So I'm at end after nine months because we, you know, when we, when we work with the church, we, we sort of adopt their calendars. Some will end in a year. And part of the, you know, part of the magic of that comes out of, you know, Jesus didn't have, you know, he didn't have his, a lifetime contract with his disciples. Mm -hmm. He was with them for three years and then he sent them out to go and, yeah. and, you know, make disciples of all nations and teach people far and near. I love how Eugene, Eugene Peterson says, teach them this way of life. Mm -hmm. I think the the idea of teaching a way of life and mentoring are, are really synonymous in that, you know, sometimes we'll be some, somebody will say, well, why don't you use the word discipleship? Mm. And I go, you know, I love the, I love the word discipleship, but what discipleship sometimes causes in people is, 
you kind of feel like you may have to go through a class first to be able to be discipled. Right. That it's heavier and weightier and mentoring just is, there's a, there's a cultural relevance to the term mentoring. Research tells us that young guys want to mentor and older guys would love to mentor a younger guy. They don't know how to build those relationships together. So there's, there's an identified need there, but mentoring just feels like something that is much more natural. It's not really teacher heavy. You know, it's really a facilitated model. You're not adopting kids. You're not giving, telling them all the things they should do. You're really just walking with them, asking great questions, reflecting back on situations and moments in their life when they may have been through a similar thing Mm -hmm. and kind of sharing some of the wisdom they may have gleaned from that. And then in the group environment, which is another thing we think is sort of the magic of, of mentoring groups is one of the most powerful things a mentor can say is, well, what do you guys think? Mm. <laughs> and turn it around because as these guys, you know, as I journeyed with these other men and I shared my story with them, I gave them equal permission to share and speak directly into my life. And it wasn't just centered around the mentor, but I do think the value is really it's somebody a little, little further down the road. It's an intergenerational friendship that, you know, research says Barna just came out with a brand new report in conjunction with um, a group called Better Man. And they basically said, hey, men that are connected with somebody down the road or have better marriages, they're better relating with their kids, they have deeper friendships. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of the power of it, that you can't get that in other environments. Right. There's, there's a power in, okay, so for example, I'm my kids are three and five. My kids are young. I'm in the trenches. I'm doing this. I have a full-time job. There's a power of, of having friends who are in the trenches with me, you know, no of, of being able to share battle stories or just understanding what this season of life feels like. But having relationships with women who are just even just a little bit ahead, just that their kids it. are just that their kids are 13, much less having grown children, the ones that really desire that, they desire to kind of give back to the the generation behind them, they have so much wisdom to share. And it's more than, I'm so, th- and, and obviously I'm speaking of it, about it in more of a, a female motherhood world, but I need more than don't blink, it goes by so fast. Right. Like I right. need more than that. What, what do they say? The days are short, but the, no, the days are long, long but, the but the years, years are, are short. short. Right. And you're like, okay. I'm like, that's Got it. great. And I, I really, <laughs> put I'm, that on my t-shirt. Right? Like I'm trying to soak these days in, but there are days I feel like I'm not going to make it, you know, and I need someone to say, I felt the same way. There were days I just wanted to lock myself in the closet and cry. So it's that solidarity that you get from the people who are doing life the same as you are. But she can also say, but there's a day coming when your kids are going to sleep until 10. Mine are 13 and 10 and they don't sleep until 10. (laughs) But I probably shouldn't tell you that right now. Okay, well, maybe my kids won't. But Yours will be special. Or there's going to come a day where your kids can get up and make their own breakfast and your feet don't hit the ground and you're instantly... Boys or girls, what do you have? I have girls. Oh, you'll be fine. I think I'll be fine. My oldest is already kind of of on track for that. But you know what I mean? Just being able to say, even, you know, with Jennifer and I, she's able to say... 
she's able to tell me about what her relationship with her daughter looks like now that her daughter is, you know, older and there's so much beauty and, and hope in that. And so, okay. So I think that people will pretty universally agree that whether they fully understand it, mentorship relationship is important. But then I think a lot of people at that point go, okay, but how, what, how do I, what am I supposed to do? And I, I think you hit the nail on the head on one thing was the downside to the word mentoring. It does feel like it's has to be somebody that's old and gray. Mm -hmm. And I do, you know, if you've been a Christian for a week, you know, more than somebody who's been a Christian for a day. And so like in my life, I'm 45, my boys are 13 and 10. I've been married for 20 years this September. I'm mentoring my fourth group this year. And I just want to, I want to speak into the lives of guys who are kind of 28 to mid thirties who are newly married. They have young kids Mm -hmm. or kids on the way because that's when I went off the rails. Mm, And so I think that's the, the other thing that, you know, a mentor has to find that place where they're most passionate. If somebody said, Hey, Kevin, I'm going to give you a group of single guys to mentor. I would, I wouldn't know what to necessarily do with a group of single guys because I'm not single, but with this particular group of guys, I'm able just to share my story with them. You know, they come to my house sometimes and they walk into the chaos of (laughs) trying to feed kids and they're running the door from a practice. And I want, that's the beauty of being in my house. I just want them to see it. But for me, it is, if I had a group of 60 year olds, there's very little mentoring I can do to those guys. I may, some cases maybe have a little more spiritual maturity than a a newer 60 year old Christian, but I'm not going to add a lot of value. So I think that the perspective the mentor needs to have is I I am always going to be a little further ahead than somebody. Mm -hmm. And who are those people that are behind me that, and I think you're right with moms that are in that that chaotic world, somebody that's five or six years down the road has just sort of moved slightly out of that piece of chaos. Mm -hmm. But Jennifer can look at you and go, I know Blake, it sucks. Mm -hmm. And I I can hear your kids screaming in the background, but it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Versus, you know, somebody calling you and saying, well, I read in a book that (laughs) this is not the case. I read this parenting book and this shouldn't be. And you're like, I don't, I don't need the parenting book right now. I've like got, you know, the house is on fire. I don't need you to tell me how the fire started. I just need you to tell me that (laughs) here's some key ways to make it go out. Right. And I think that is the downside of the word mentoring. And some people think it's got to be some huge experience gap. And it's really just where you're passionate and who are you a little further ahead of. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network. And now a message from a network supporter. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can drive change or build an empire. Because old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. This new year, we need a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's still ours to win. Start different at GoDaddy.com. I wanted to take a break in our show today to tell you about an online parenting event that you or someone you know definitely won't want to miss. 
We're living in strange and difficult days, wouldn't you say? And I think it's safe to say that parents feel the pressure to lead in their homes especially well right now. But wouldn't it be nice to feel the freedom to check that perfectionism at the door and become the perfectly imperfect parent God actually called you to be? It's time to sign up today for the Perfectly Imperfect Christian Parenting Event that will be held on October 23rd and 24th. This completely digital event was designed to give parents the practical and spiritual help needed to grow as leaders in the home. And it's in an easy and accessible digital format. With more than 40 available talks, you'll hear from amazing speakers like Aaron and Jamie Ivey, Mark Batterson, Jonathan Pitts, Nicole Zasowski, the Duck Dynasty Robertson family, and many, many more. Tickets are only $49, so we invite you or a parent that you love to register today for this digital Christian parenting event. Visit perfectlyimperfect.org to sign up today. Now, let's get back to today's show. Mentoring can be kind of this multi-level, right? That Mm -hmm. someone's pouring into you and you can be pouring into someone else. And so if I'm looking towards that, if I need that in my life, do you have advice for what I should be looking for? I would say the advice would be very, probably, you know, our our process is a little bit, I'm going to say formulaic in that what we're trying to do is, you know, help equip what we know about churches that are, you know, if you, if you looked at any of the, the growing young research, it was really these churches that had created ways to bridge the generational gap. So what we're doing with in churches is basically saying, Hey, identify the, the old guys in your church, the guys who've gotten experience in a story to tell and identify the younger folks who want to be poured into and let's cre- help you create groups. Yeah. We sort of help facilitate that. But I think in the real world, I'm going to guess if you even think about your relationship with Jennifer, at some point out of desperation, concern, or curiosity, you began to think about, all right, what is it going to be like when my kids are 10, my girls are 10 and 12? Mm -hmm. And you began to look around the people that are slightly ahead of you and it wasn't Jennifer's resume that she sent to you and said, I'm highly qualified to be your mentor. It was, you probably saw how her kids acted in church or in other public places. And you thought there's just something she's figured out. And you very probably calmly went to her and said, can we have a cup of coffee? I just would love to hear your story and just get to know you better. Yep. And what happened there was this beautiful, sometimes formal more often than not informal friendship with somebody who you could just share the ugliness of your story and knew that she would not judge you for it and would be able to probably help you think about what it might look like at some point down the road. And I think, I think that's the, you know, that's the thing that I think men, I think that's, it's probably harder for men in some ways in that it may feel like, a little bit of a sign of weakness or, you know, whatever the the story is that we make up around that. But if I'm a guy and I'm looking at guys that are in my circle that are in the same industry or that maybe in the workplace with me who, you know, sometimes you go into their office and you see the books on the bookshelf and you see the pictures of the kid, their kids on the, on the desk. And you just kind of say, Hey, I'd love to hear your story and, and better understand who you are versus, I'm really interested in having a mentor. Would you be willing right. to mentor me? Because that okay. does put a little formality of, and then you have the first 
cup of coffee conversation and you say, Hey, this was really great. I'd like to do this again. And I'd like to maybe think about a couple of things we can talk about in a month next time we get together in two weeks. And then, but if you, if you start with their story and you start with the curiosity of who they are, and those are the, those are the kind of guys that would love to have that conversation. And I think it's a little bit of that Holy Spirit nudge inside of you that says, hey, go talk to Jennifer, go talk to Kevin, go talk to whoever it is about what's on your heart. And then being, having the confidence to know that that's from God and you just want to go have that conversation. Gosh, I think that's such great advice. I think I love what you said about kind of not trying to slap that really formal label on it out the gate. Because I think, and I think with the best intentions that that's often what happens. And I think it can kind of almost stifle something really organic and natural happening and leading with, Hey, I just want to, it doesn't even have to be, I need advice. I need you to, you know, it can be, I want to know you better. And I want to, you know, I want to know your story. I want to know how you got from where you were to where you are. And like you said, let it do what it's going to do from there. And that's exactly how things from myself happened. I did not go into that friendship with this dots, this eye. Now I have a mentor. It, we just were getting to know one another. And so that's kind of the real life side of it. So I do, I want to talk about radical mentoring with the actual yeah, the, absolutely. The group and how that works, how you get connected with churches. If people are interested, just what that looks like. Totally. So you can find everything about us at RadicalMentoring.com. And we made the decision several years ago that we were going to give all of our content away for free. Oh, wow. So while I'm talking to you from the car, I also live in the car. No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, We just got some. and, And the reason we do that is because we know that our ultimate funding is going to come from men and, and churches and, and, and we'll talk about women in a little bit who've been touched by the ministry. They'll give back. Right. Which is God has rewarded that over and over again. So you can go to radicalmentoring.com. You can create an account and you can find all of those resources. And so what we have tried to do is we know that the more complicated it seems, the less likely someone is to want to step into it. Mm-hmm. And so what we've done is create a process that, you know, Joe, either Joe mentor or Joe pastor can find us either on the website. They may listen to this podcast. They may read a blog. They found or wrote a book called mentor like Jesus. Um, his name's Reggie Campbell. That's got, you know, some real practical steps around our mentoring model. But once you find us um, and we know you're interested in looking around, then we just want to have a conversation with you mm-hmm. and we want to help you think about, you know, how do you, Maybe you need to talk to your pastor about what this might look like in your church. Mm-hmm. We give you some guidance around that. We have a track, a recommended nine and 12 month track that has sort of been the, you know, what we've accumulated is what most people have done that very first mod, the very first time together. And it's agendas for the story retreat. It's agendas for each conversation. And so what we want to do is we want to, the way I describe it is we want to give you everything so that you, you don't feel like, you know, you're, you're just sort of inviting six guys to your house to have a conversation about grace. And then they show up and you really have no idea what to talk about. Yeah. So we give you sort of a a framework for those conversations, but we also always say, but at some point somebody's going to show up and they're going to drop some bomb in the middle of the dining room table Mm -hmm. and you have total permission to push 
topics and the conversation away that you are quote unquote supposed to have because the agenda says that and just lean into those conversations. Yeah. And so what we want to do is help men journey from what we call their inner man. So understanding theology and grace and prayer, and then have them ultimately by the end kind of take an outward turn and think about uh, their faith in their marriage and with their children and the workplace and help them think about how to practically apply that faith. We give them recommended books to read. So our, our model is you meet once a month for three hours. Mm-hmm. In, in most churches, they they all often wonder, how do you get anything done only meeting once a month? Or they wonder, what in the world do guys talk about for three hours? <laughs> in between what they're doing, these men are reading books. We're giving them homework assignments that we've already written out for them. Mm. They're memorizing scripture and they're having some one-on-one time, sometimes with the mentor, but always with another guy in that group in between those sessions. And so you're giving them work to do so that when they come back together, they're going to be talking about a book that's been written by a well-versed Christian author who's pointing men back to scripture. You're giving homework assignments like, you know, simple things like writing a love letter to your wife and leaving it in a place where she'll find it when you're not looking, when she's least expects it. Mm -hmm. And then we may have like, have our guys go and try to pray with their wives for every night in between sessions, which is often a much more complicated conversation. Mm -hmm. We want to kind of give them these practical things to do as well as memorize scripture because we know that if the scripture is memorized by keyword and it's implanted on their hearts, it will begin to show up in situations where that keyword will bring that scripture to mind. And so they kind of journey through that together and we give them everything on that website. We also have guides like myself and, and some other folks on our team who really do want to journey with people in that process. And so we spend a lot of time with uh, mentors and pastors, helping them understand if it fits and then where it fits in the context of what they're already doing. Uh, we don't want to replace anything a church is doing. We're not saying mentoring is the only thing you should do. It's got to be a part of a bitter, of a bigger uh, strategy inside the church. Right. That's incredible. And it's the model of that being, I love, you said something about this isn't supposed to be separate. It's a supplement. It's not supposed to take the place of. And ultimately, I mean, I would think, and I'm sure that what it does is you're feeding and breathing life into the men of your church who can then turn around and serve the church better, support the church better, and their families and their wives. And, you you know, and, you know, I think so much of what we see in the breakdown of the nuclear family or the marriage or gosh, maybe just the world is a lack of, we're not pouring into and equipping our men to lead. We're just expecting them to lead. You got it. And And that's, that's our heartbeat. Right. And I, that's, it's so important and it's so necessary. And I'm so, th- and I feel like, and I mean this in the most loving and respectful way, but I love that y'all have made it so simple because it has to be. Cause guys, it like it has to be simple. It has to be here. You do this and then you do this and I, then guys will do it. We are not the smartest people in the world. It's not even that it's not smart. It's just they, if there's too many steps and it's too complicated. No doubt. I feel yeah. like a lot, a lot of time guys are like, mm, oh, thank you. Yeah. you we, know? <laughs> we have tried to put it together in a way that 
a, a mentor can wrap their arms around it and start a group tomorrow night if they wanted to, or a church can wrap their arms around it and go, you know what? We want this to be a piece of our men's ministry, our discipleship process. And we're going to launch this in September. And they've provided some clear steps to help us get from where we are to where we want to be. And we, we really want to kind of live in the tension of that space. And there are churches we talk to and it's like, this isn't going to work and they know it and we know it and that's okay. But there's also, there's men that we talk to, you know, these mentor kind of types that find us and they know that they can't take this to their church, but they've got six to eight guys in their neighborhood that are a season of life behind them or in their office, whatever, in their country club, wherever it might be. And they invite them to be a part of it. And so, you know, we serve mentors and we serve churches and we, we serve them all across the country and in some cases all around the world. And they they found the content and they they use it. And um, we're really grateful that uh, we've got just some incredible we and, and the best parts just hearing the stories. I mean, that's oh the, my gosh. you know, it's just that's the most amazing thing is to hear the story retreats and the life change and all those things that happen. It's it's pretty incredible. Yeah. And so y'all have kind of transplanted this setup and are now beginning to offer it for women. Yes. Yeah. That's been a, that's been a fun journey. You know, ultimately when men's lives start to change, the women will get a little curious and try to understand exactly what it was that happened to their husbands. Mm -hmm. You know, most churches don't have issues with women getting together. Most churches have a women's minister. Mm -hmm. They may not have a men's minister, but what we've done is we've created a process that we're going to call uh, the known collective. Mm. That's clearly not, I didn't come up with that. Um, (laughs) We, we engage some incredible women who've been leading mentoring groups in our kind of style and format to help us come up with the name of it. You can find more information on that at uh, knownandworthy.com. And it'll really follow and in uh, and, and the same framework you said at the beginning, women want to be known too. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, in this sort of, for men and women in the shallow social media soundbite world we're living in, mm-hmm. it's really easy to kind of just, Real, I think that, well, you know, the Harris's got all their stuff together because they put these really, you know, great pictures on online or whatever. Susan yeah. said some really nice stuff about Kevin in a Father's Day post. Well, they seem to have their stuff together. And, yep. you know, I was a total train wreck 20 minutes before she put it up. Right. I mean, I wasn't, obviously. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> obviously not you. No, <laughs> not me, but some other guy. Right. So, but I think the women, women are craving that same thing you found in Jennifer, that same environment where you can get a Jennifer to, you know, leverage her time differently. And she's, my guess is somebody like Jennifer's probably meeting with you and she may have four or five other women mm-hmm. that she meets with in a similar framework. But mm-hmm. what if you were able to leverage her time better and also connect you with other women in a similar age and stage of life and in a journey together for nine to 12 months where you're learning from her, you're learning from each other, and then you're just growing closer to Jesus in the process. Yeah. And so knownandworthy.com will, is, is going to be the place where you'll find that women's mentoring model that we've created there. And so I think that, and I think that's going to be, it's new, but it's going to probably grow like gangbusters. And mm-hmm. we're going to get that in the hands of a lot of amazing women who uh, just have a huge heart to do this. Yeah, and so we're and excited about that as well. I think women with, with mentoring less have an issue getting started and more 
it tends to be, oh, how do I do this? Right. What's, right. what do I talk about? When do we meet? You know, and so guidelines, you know, kind of like, I'm thinking, I don't know why I'm thinking of like, uh, like the bumpers when you're bowling, like something that kind of you keep it. you in the lane. That's not trying to like tell you exactly what to do, but just kind of keep you exactly what you said, using your time effectively. And I think that that's, I think that's really incredible. A great mentor knows how to get the person who won't stop talking to stop talking. Yes. And then knows how to find the person who's in the corner not contributing and Mm -hmm. not shame them into speaking, but knows how to pull them out. Mm -hmm. And mentors are just great facilitators, but you, you, you got it right. Those bumpers sort of, you know, give them the confidence to know that, you know, push comes to shove, I kind of have an agenda and a flow of what I need to walk through so I can sort of stay in between. But it's also the bumpers of, you know, I've got to rein, I got to rein Kevin in a little bit more because he's off on some tangent about something. And it's not, it's, I can look at the other guys and know that there's no value being added by what he continues to talk about. We're starting to gloss over. So you got it. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of the men, you know, the mentors, you know, qualifications are their life story and their willingness to share it. Mm. And that's, that's really the only thing that they need to be uh, trained in is, is how to share your story and how to facilitate. And we kind of, we have modules that help, help train as well for that. So. Well, I think that this is, I'm so thankful that we got connected because I think that this is such an important and impactful program. And I want, I'm, I'm really thankful to have the opportunity to kind of share that with the people that listen, both the the wives who are listening, who either need this for themselves or are like, Oh, mm-hmm, I know a guy that really benefit from that. So yeah, he lives in the same house. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so radicalmentoring.com. RadicalMentoring.com. People can find all of this. Are y'all on social media or anything like that where people can connect with you? We are. I'm never real good at that. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's at Radical Mentors. Okay. I think you'll find us in some places. We've got a Facebook group. And then for the at known and worthy will be where you'll find some more information on the the women's side. Yeah. Well, awesome. Kevin, thank you so much for sharing your Blake, story this was and your fun. heart. Yeah, this was great. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right, see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. Ready to crush those New Year goals? Make this year the one you finally take care of those stubborn areas of fat you can't seem to get rid of. Now is the time to get into the Skin Center for Cool Sculpting. Hey, it's Elista, and the quarantine bot is in full effect. Maybe you haven't had the motivation or ability to get into the gym, or maybe you just don't have the time. Well, throw away the excuses because one of the best parts about Cool Sculpting is that it freezes away the fat cells in as little as one treatment with little or minimal downtime. Cool Sculpting is a non surgical treatment. 
that can make your fat disappear. If you feel like no matter what you do, you still have areas that you can't seem to slim down, Cool Sculpting can help. Cool Sculpting is FDA clear to treat visible fat bulges in nine areas of the body. Some common side effects include temporary numbness, discomfort, and swelling. Get rid of the double chin, belly, and bra fat at the skin center with Cool Sculpting. DM Skin Center MD on Instagram and mention promo code ELISTA to save up to 50% off with a minimum of eight plus cycles on your Cool Sculpting treatment. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can drive change or build an empire. Because old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. This new year, we need a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's still ours to win. Start different at GoDaddy.com.